Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. No, 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 no. I was going to say something really funny, but I decided not to. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. So it's going to be another one of those episodes this week where Annabelle is at home. Are you in leisure wear? I'm not actually. I'm in jeans and a shirt. That's not leisure wear at all, is it? Oh, so you got dressed up. I did. I got dressed, dressed up. Yeah, dressed yeah. up. Could call it that. Uh, so Annabelle's at home and I am sitting in a hotel room in a travel tavern in Salford where I am doing a little bit of work. So I'm like a travelling salesman yeah. on the road with my suitcase full of goods. Um so it's probably going to be a bit shorter than usual, even though last week's wasn't. And um, and there we go. I just got that disclaimer out of the way. Mm-hmm. Have I told you, I've, I've probably now, with doing bits and pieces of work over the last, getting on for a year, I've probably stayed in this hotel somewhere between 10 and 15 times. That is a lot. And I, I think I'm a very nice customer or, or resident I guess the yeah. correct word is I'm very polite sometimes when I'm dealing with people in customer service generally in my head I'm thinking I mean I'm panicking so you know I'll, I'll think oh god I'm not sure about my small talk what am I saying but but what I'm also thinking is I must be such a nice person to deal with I am so polite and I s- smile a lot and there's something quite diffident about me I'm, I'm never any trouble it, it must just be a breath of fresh air dealing with somebody like me compared to how difficult some customers must be that's that's what I'm thinking okay and because I've stayed here often when I walk in I think oh there he is that nice Mr Lloyd again what what a relief to have a resident like that checking in yeah so it then hurts my feelings when every time I check in their first question is oh have you stayed with us before they don't yeah but <laughs> know like everything about you like oh, let, let me put, put that in a way you think that at the very least they would know your name yes no not at all and you know I don't know their names but I'll say oh look there's the guy who always asks me if um if I want anything extra from the breakfast buffet and there's there's the woman who asked me if I need any help with the vending machine and so I've got them pegged I've got them oh. pegs. I've got the, they've not got the names, but they've got the little identities, their little defining characteristics in my mind. But no, they, mm. they never never remember me. I just want to say that it's, this isn't a depressing hotel room. It's very nice. I mean, it's 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 no frills, but it's very nice. And and I think a depressing hotel room would be above the bed. 
there would be some kind of awful framed picture, maybe like a, a kind of bad painting of a meadow. Right. And and then what would make it doubly depressing is I would be sat on the bed, lonely, because I'm working away, you know, just eating some dinner from a, a takeaway. And as I'm doing so, there would be a couple in the next room making slow, rhythmic oh. love and grunting a lot, Good and the God. picture on the wall would be shaking. That, to me, is what would <laughs> constitute a depressing hotel room. Yeah, that would be very depressing, yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to the uh, I went to a couple of exhibitions this week. One was at the library. I went to see the Frank Sidebottom exhibition last week. I talked about the documentary that I'd seen about Frank Sidebottom, and I thought I'd better leave it a few days in between, otherwise I'd, I'd look too much like a super fan. <laughs> did, then... did you go with your head on? <laughs> There's a great bit in the film where he kept a photo album of, um, of paper mache heads, like sort of tribute to Frank heads that fans had made and sent him photos of them wearing the heads and he kept a photo album called not franks and they're all so terrible oh i'd love to it's, see that really yeah you, you <laughs> would love to see that um and i went to martin parr who's a brilliant oh. photographer who i love there's an mm. exhibition of his photographs around manchester so i went to see that while i was at the library seeing the frank sidebottom exhibition I, I popped to the loo and it is i mean manchester central library is a beautiful beautiful round building um and i had to walk through this area they've i mean it's such a beautiful public space they've got all computers that people can use and i guess a lot of the time people using computers in a library not exclusively i think they're great that they have therefore for public use but a lot of people who are using computers in the library are the same people who used to go to the library to read the newspapers on those big poles right yeah yeah if i if i may paint a picture yeah 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 um <laughs> But you have to walk past these computers. It's in a big, wide area, you know. Like it's a thoroughfare. People are coming and going. People are there with their kids. But you have to walk past the, the computers to get to the loo. So you can sort of see what people are looking at. So I glanced to one side. There was a man. Um, I don't know if this will mean anything to most people, but he looked a lot like the actor who played, I don't know if he was an admiral or a captain, um, in, in Battlestar Galactica, the remake from the 90s or whenever it was. He looked quite a lot like that. And he lost he was... a lot of people there, but go on. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, some people are thinking, oh, yeah. that guy, yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, usually we're sitting in front of a computer, so I'd be able to Google it, but I, I can't. So, mm. you know, I'm sure he's famous for lots of other things. He's a very distinguished American actor. Anyway, it doesn't even matter that he looked like that. It's just a detail for those people. And mm-hmm. um, what we've done now is by we've we've slowed it right down, haven't we? <laughs> it's not your fault; it's my fault. I, I blame myself entirely. It's, it's both our faults. Anyway, big public area, lots mm. of people milling about. It's school holidays; families are in there. This guy is sitting there, looking at Google images of what I won't describe as erotica, because there's nothing left to the imagination. Oh, just various people in various stages. Of penetration. No. Yes. Really? So facing outwards, the computer screen is facing no. outwards into the room. That's not legal, surely. Well, firstly, you wouldn't think it'd be legal. Secondly, you'd think that the library computers might have something, some, <laughs> yes. some kind of filter, which means that can't happen. And thirdly, what purpose is that possibly serving? What, for him? Yeah, because, you know, I, my, my understanding... Uh, is, is that people look at photographs like that to, to engage in a particular activity. And if you're not engaging in that particular activity, those photos perhaps don't hold the allure that they might. 
you know what I say anything you can think of someone somewhere that's your thing that's, oh, that's how thing. he's getting his kick yeah yeah so yeah. He's, he's going home later very sort of excited and pleased with himself that he's been doing that in yeah. the library it's all stored up are you are you speaking from experience <laughs> I did sound like I knew a bit too much about it didn't I welcome to the main module of the show with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a program called Adrift can you get with it yet share your story of social ineptitude with us please hello at adriftpodcast.com okay the first one is from anon i have been doing a job for the last couple of months that is far below my level of experience and capabilities but i went for it because a i just need a job and b it's slightly creative and i thought it would be fun turns out it's not that fun which is why i've been looking and applying for new jobs recently i would like to point out this moment that I'm incredibly awkward when it comes to making excuses with my current employer about leaving early, having doctor's appointments, etc. when it's actually for an interview. I just hate it. I'm awful at lying and they can most likely see straight through it. So last Friday, I go for a meeting with a recruiter. All had gone well. I managed to be as convincing as I could about my doctor's appointment and said I shouldn't be too late in. I've managed to get an early appointment, but you, you know what doctors are like. So that was all sorted, and I was proud of myself for being so convincing. When I turned up for my meeting, I pressed a buzzer, but no one answered, and the door wouldn't open. So I got my phone out to check what time it opened. It was one of those trendy, open, hot-desk, rent-an-office type places. I was there for at least a minute. When I looked up, there was a guy waving at me, trying to let me in, but I was too buried in my phone to realise. I went in flustered and apologetic, and he was kind and understanding. Anyway, had the meeting and all was fine. I turned up to work and all went smooth at the doctor's thank you very much. Fast forward to Friday evening and my colleagues were going for a drink at the pub nearby. So I thought I'd make the effort and go along for one. We all arrive and are hovering around the bar, chatting, ordering drinks and waiting for anyone who hadn't got their drink yet, all very civilised. I noticed this man looking at me quite obviously and I tried to ignore it as I thought he was just being ridiculously forward. In the end, I turned and looked at him because I couldn't take it anymore. And who should it be but the man who'd let me into the office building uh-huh. that morning? Yeah. He looks at me and said, oh, didn't I see you this morning? My brain spiralled into weird time standing still, face going red, words came out of my mouth, but I have no control over what they are moment. Uh. Well, I tried to somehow justify why I knew this man without alluding to the truth. (laughs) I ramble on about being sorry that he was trying to let me in the door and I didn't see him, all the while thinking in my head of all the scenarios that fit with that generic story in case when my colleagues asked me about it afterwards. Then... Out of pure horror to me, he said, oh, you were meeting so-and-so, weren't you? How did it go? Ah. My face wasn't red enough already. I'm sure it managed another couple of shades deeper at that moment. I couldn't even bring myself to glance at my colleagues to see if any of them cottoned on to what he'd said. All I could do was say, oh, yep, fine, and make an awkward (laughs) sideward glance to my colleagues to see if he would catch on. Luckily, he did and said, oh, so you're thinking of moving then, as in moving to their office building. But I was in such a tizwas, I just said, uh, no, and literally turned my back on him. <laughs> I felt so rude. But all I could do was look down at my drink and hope my cheeks returned to their normal colour before looking at any of my colleagues. 
Luckily, no one questioned it. Either they were being polite and didn't want me to make me feel awkward, or I'm going to be sacked on Monday. <laughs> I love any, any story that ends with, I literally turned my back on them. Yeah, yeah, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, um, I, I also think the moral of that story is never make the effort and go along for just the one at the pub with your colleagues. Yeah, that's a real lesson learned there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go on to Charlie. A story we had a couple of weeks ago reminded me of the most awful situation I have ever been in. This happened a few years ago and I should probably give some background. My aunt and my dad, who were brother and sister, fell out for a number of years, but thankfully reunited and made amends whilst there was still time. There's a lot of irrelevant backstory, but one of the key points is that my uncle, my aunt's husband, is quite arrogant, thinks he's better than everyone else, and therefore doesn't get on particularly well with my dad or the rest of the family. When I was about 18, my aunt sadly got cancer and it deteriorated incredibly quickly and she died within a matter of weeks. I don't particularly like my uncle, but even as a difficult teenager, I could tell that he loved my aunt more than anything and I knew her death destroyed him. I've never seen more genuine grief since and I hope I never had to go through that. My story starts at the funeral. I went down to Devon with my dad and sister, but unfortunately my mum was on a long planned trip to South America so couldn't make it. Knowing my aunt, we didn't think that she'd want my mum to cancel the trip just to attend a funeral. We went to the church and understandably my uncle was very cut up and struggling with the day as a whole. My dad, who suffers from Alzheimer's, was also very upset and not in a good way. They never got on well, so sort of stayed away from each other for the service and for the after party. Clearly the wrong word, at the house afterwards. (laughs) The wake. Just for future use, I I would find myself getting the word wrong and then hate myself for it. So I'm going to just say wake. (laughs) When we're about... I know, after party. But at least he acknowledges it's the wrong word. When we're about to leave, my dad, who, as I said, has Alzheimer's and cannot cope with emotional situations, tried to say goodbye to my uncle by saying, thank you for inviting us. Perfectly acceptable. He then followed up by trying to excuse my mum's absence by saying, I'm sorry that Rosalind couldn't make it. And with a shrug of his shoulders, but she had other plans. <laughs> this would have been bad enough if my mum's name was Rosalind, which is not. It's Barbara. Rosalind was the name of my aunt. My dad oh my had basically said, oh, sorry, your wife God. couldn't make her own funeral. She was busy. <laughs> My uncle hit the roof, understandably, whereas my dad stood there confused as to why my uncle suddenly went crazy, whilst me and my cousins had to try and convince my uncle it was a genuine misunderstanding. I have never felt more uncomfortable in my life. Charlie ends with, drift on, my fellow drifters. (laughs) Oh, that is just wonderful. I mean, that's straight into the all-time greats already, that, isn't it? Sometimes when you're not paying attention, you didn't even realise you're in a sewer. That's not the case here. Right now you're on a lake, and it's it's really nice. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. It's a play on words about water. Annabelle. Yes. How's about you give us a way in which you're not a fully functioning adult? Part 14. Why not? <laughs> okay, part 14. Making friends. On the morning of his first day of school, my ex-husband told his mum he was nervous about making friends. She told him to go up to the first person he sees and say, did you see the A-team last night? So he did, and the other little boy had, and 35 years later, they are still best friends. Because it's that easy for some people. 
Although I didn't find it difficult as a child or too hard as a young adult, but it says I've got older. And maybe it's a motivation thing. Like I've got friends I like now. Do I have the energy for new ones? But everyone said that I'd make loads of new friends when I had my baby. And I was quite keen on making new friends in my area, as I don't really know anyone in my area. The closest I had to a friend was Nuruddin, our local DPD delivery driver, because he's always friendly when he delivers. <laughs> Although... I did see him delivering on a different street one day and I smiled at him and he looked at me a bit blankly. Oh no, it's like me me and the hotel staff here. Yes, it is. But when you have a baby, everyone said, oh, you'll just make loads of new friends. And I've been to baby classes and play groups and to the park. And occasionally I'll start talking to someone and I'll get on with them. But how do you go from this, like questions about the age of your child, to meeting up again? I don't understand how people do it. One baby class I went to, it was a baby sign language class where the only sign I persisted with and that he picked up is the sign for where. I've no idea why, but now all my child can say is where continuously. <laughs> I really wish I'd just done why. So he looked like a baby permanently in an existential crisis. But, you know, <laughs> you live and learn. Anyway, this class, there were two cliques. I don't even know how they knew each other, but there were two distinct friendship groups. And we all sat in a semicircle with a friendship group on each side and me in the middle. And nobody spoke to me. It was it was very, very oh, sad. Annabelle. Perhaps Rudy was always trying to say, where are your friends? <laughs> My own <laughs> child. There's also a play group that I go to twice a week. And there's a clique there of parents who all chat while I sit and help Rudy put all the plastic food into the pretend washing machine. But on my first date, one of the mums was really friendly and she held Rudy while I had a cup of tea. And I feel like that should have been my in. Like I should have followed it up. I don't know what went wrong, but I saw a new mum come this week and she just went and sat with the clique and started chatting. How did she do that? Like, what did she say? It's just a mystery to me. <laughs> I always used to leave this playgroup a bit early, but Rudy's nap time has changed recently. So this week I stayed until the end when they have songs and everyone goes in a circle and does stuff like the Grand Duke of York and row, row, row your boat. And that one about zooming to the moon. But the first one is Ring a Ring of Roses. And the playgroup leader said, OK, everyone hold hands. And my immediate reaction to this is dread, obviously, that I'll have to hold hands with a stranger. But I'm trying to fit in. So I pushed that aside quickly and I went to take the hand of the person next to me, who's another mum. And as I reach out, her arm flinches visibly away from me, like I've got feces <laughs> on my hand or something. And then she mumbles, oh, sorry. And as she does, I look up and realise that while, yes, every parent is holding hands with their child, no parents are holding hands with each other. There's no adult hand to hand. That's not what the leader meant, because that would have been weird. But now I'm the weirdo who tried to hold hands with a mum. <laughs> so I can never go back there again. And I'm just back to overordering too much stuff so that DPD Nuruddin will come round with a smile. <laughs> Excuse me. Do you have any wood? Jeff Lloyd, Annabelle Port, Adrift. Ooh, I'm in the stream. Well, I have big news. What is it? Tickets are now oh. on sale for the first ever Adrift live show. No way. This yep. is so exciting. It's happening in Hebden Bridge on the 29th of June. The venue is the Trades Club, which is this incredible place. Do you want to hear some of the people who've who've played there? <laughs> yeah, go on. Patty Smith. Whoa. The Inspiral Carpets, George Ezra, The Buzzcocks, Lloyd Cole, Julian Cope, 
I mean, I'm just picking ones at, at random, but I mean, there are so many, all these incredible musical artists have played there. Also, the king of podcasting, Adam Buxton, has played there. Oh, wow. People are not going to know what's hit them, and not in a good way. <laughs> we've, we've got to fill this with um, with drifters, with people who actually listen to the podcast, because the thing yeah. is about this town, as I've said before, it's a very cool, arty town, and people are sort of interested and engaged in the culture scene, and this is happening, believe it or not, as part of the Hebden Bridge Arts Festival. And I'm just worried that local people are going to think, oh, we'll go and see what's happening there. They always have good things on at the Trades Club, and it's it's going to turn into some kind of revolt, there's, they're going to be angry. They're going to be waiting outside with us for with, with torches, and I don't mean flashlights. I mean torches, <laughs> like you know, Dracula style. I think for worse for me would be just that staring us with stony cold faces. Yeah, that, that for that, me that is will, that, worse that, that than being burnt. The mobbing and the <laughs> yeah. torching. Oh, but I'm so looking forward to it. Um, it says on the website that the doors open at eight. So okay. what does that mean? We start at half past eight. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm just wondering: Are you going to be okay staying up till half past eight? Oh my god! But no, it means later than that. Yeah, I should be okay. I should. You'll be, have to get yeah. some practice in between now and then. You know, like with jet lag, you try and yeah, kind of yeah. change your bedtime or your waking up time by an hour a day. I yeah, think, I'll do like, that. Maybe you should start that now. Started now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll do ten minutes a day, and then by the time we get to then, I'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm very excited to do it. We have a special guest who, I mean, I've given you some good information there this week. I'll, I'm going to drip feed that. Scritti Politia played there, Annabelle. Oh. Kevin Rowland. Oh. Yeah. Kelly Rowland or Kevin? No, Ke- Kevin, Kevin oh. Rowland from Texas <laughs> Midnight Runners. Oh, okay. okay. Ooh. So, so many. Mark Almond. Sleeper. This is very exciting. And anyway, I mean, go on their website. It's an incredible it's you know incredible history this place it's brilliant venue um you know i've been slightly disingenuous because i I was there last year with the other podcast Mm. and it's just a badly drawn boy uh just a wonderful (laughs) place and i really hope you can come hebden bridge is such a special place to go and visit and i've already had a couple of people email or tweet me to say that they've uh they've booked themselves a b&b yes already so how do people get tickets then well um it's it's like a link. So rather than do that thing where you hear people read out, it's http <laughs> colon slash slash. I'll put a link in the description of this ah, episode of the podcast okay. and every episode of the podcast until it sells out for that matter, yeah, which is perhaps forever. Um, <laughs> but I'll also put links on social media. So if you find us on uh, Facebook, we're facebook.com stroke happy, happy, happy. We also have a, a redundant adrift Twitter account. I can put it on that. But we can also, you and I can tweet it ourselves, right? If you mm-hmm. follow me or Annabelle on Twitter, then yeah. we'll tweet it. And uh, I'm very, very excited. We need to book some accommodation though, Annabelle. Oh, Yeah. Because yeah, we don't want all the drifters like taking up all the B and Bs, and then we have to stay in a stable. A stable, yeah. I don't yeah. want to stay in a stable, no. No. So there we have it. It's happening. The first ever adrift live show is happening at the Trades Club in Hebden Bridge, and I do think. I mean, I know, um, you know, the the biggest cluster of our listeners isn't in Hebden Bridge, but it is just a great place to travel to. And you'll have such a wonderful time if you go there. It's a, as I said before, it's a really special place. And uh, it's on the 29th of June. And tickets, the link is below in the description of this podcast or find us on social media. (laughs) 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Later, when you go for a walk, you can take the show with you so that you're not left with your thoughts because we know what's going on there, and it's just it's. It's quite scary. You should probably consult a doctor, or you should maybe get a dog and then walk with your dog, or steal a dog. But just um, dogs can help you because they suck up your dangerous thoughts. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. As well as being in Salford working, I've been to Chicago and back since the last podcast. Yes, I know. It's nuts, isn't it? it, it yeah, because. It- it's a lot of places to be in a very short amount of time. Yeah, so I was supposed to be on a two-week holiday and we were supposed to go over to see Sarah's family in Highland Park, uh, which is just outside Chicago where, where they live. Um, but because this work came up and I couldn't really say no to it, um, I, I had to cut my holiday short. And I thought that at least I'd be there um you know, for a, a bit of a run of days. But as it's happened, the longest I could manage was two days, 48 hours. Mm. Um, and that was because I would have missed Eugene's birthday otherwise. And mm. I don't want to be that kind of dad, even though he wouldn't remember. I mean, it's, it's to be honest, it's more about maintaining my position as a favourite <laughs> parent. And I thought, if Sarah's there alone, giving him a lot of presents, the, mm. the, poles, the, the poles might shift. So I've yeah. got to be there and present when, when he's receiving gifts, is mm-hmm. what I thought. Yeah. Um, so a, cu- a couple of things. Firstly, I flew on a budget airline, and 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 actually, this isn't just true of budget airlines anymore. It's true of all airlines with self-service check-in kiosks. Do you know what I hate? Go on. Having to put the label on the bag myself. Oh, do you find it difficult? Yeah, and I just think I'm going to get it wrong, and it's not going to stick properly. And there's a technique that the people who've worked behind the things know uh, that we don't know, and it's going to go horribly wrong, and the label's going to come off, and my bag is going to end up in Kolkata or something like that. So it's, that's the first thing that I worry about. Why? I think you it's, find too it, it's too sticky. It's too sticky. That's my sticky. problem. And, and, and if you do it even slightly wrong, that's it. It's permanent. There's yeah, no going and, back. And, and, you know, you've got to get it lined up exactly right. Otherwise, there's yeah. a bit of stickiness hanging over the edge. Oh, it's awful. Uh, the the other sort of terrible thing that happened to me is I went to a shop to buy some balloons for Jean's birthday. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was on a Saturday and I think it was like some teenager with a Saturday job. And he was, you know, ringing them up on the cash register. And we were quite close, you know, I would say I was about maybe 45 centimetres away from his face. So what's that, a foot and a half for people who are in Imperial. <laughs> and just without thinking about it, and we were similar heights, so we were sort of face-to-face is, is what I'm getting at here, and without thinking about it, I just burped. Oh, his face? I just burped in his face. Jeff, I don't that's know what so I uncouth. Of. It's really uncouth. And, you know, I, I don't like to shift the blame, and, and this is a stretch, really, but I think I've become a very unselfconscious burper since meeting my wife, oh. who, who <laughs> is a, a sort of prolific uh, burper and she also burps with gusto and and that has freed something in me but I just felt awful about it said I'm so sorry but then I thought I wish I hadn't apologized why because I have given that kid a gift what a gift of a story yeah imagine you worked you were a teenager working (laughs) at a shop and some middle-aged man just burped (laughs) in your face while he was buying some balloons (laughs) 
it's something to say when you get home from work, isn't it? Instead yeah, of, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Or yeah, even as right. soon as I walked out of the shop, he could have said it to his colleague, you will not believe what just yes. happened to me. So I, I should have said you're welcome rather than apologise. <laughs> In future, that's exactly what you should keep saying, yeah. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a show called... Adrift. All right, on to Quandary Corner at, uh, what did we say, Pro- Problem Hotel Room. Oh, yeah, we did change, didn't we? Yeah. Problem, I mean, it, it, it was, oh, anyway. It, it was weak, it was weak, yeah. whatever it was. Uh, who's, who's the first one from? Okay, the first one's from Sarah. She says, This email is motivated by a recent plane journey I took with my husband and young son. We were on a reasonably sized plane, six seats across, so not massive, but big enough, but big enough. And the two toilets at the front were out of order, leaving just two toilets at the back. This trip was during February half term, so the flight had a high proportion of children. At one point, the queue for the toilet was halfway down the plane, and it took about 15 minutes for me and my son to get from the back to second in line. Suddenly, just as I began to relax my bladder as I neared the front, a man in one of the seats at the back, so right by the loo, declared that his young son needed a wee and asked the lady in front of me if his son, who was about two, could go in front. It was obvious that the lady in front of me was not massively keen on this, having waited in line for almost 20 minutes with her daughter, but dutifully said, oh yes, okay, let the little boy in before them. When the boy came out, The dad then jumped in the cubicle. When he came out, he was closely followed by his wife and daughter who'd leapt from their seats, jumping the entire queue. Obviously, no one said a word, but a fair amount of tutting, sighing and eye rolling went on in the queue and it has been troubling me ever since. At which point, and in what circumstances, is queue jumping okay? Is it ever okay? And what steps should be taken by an aggrieved drifter to make their displeasure at unacceptable queue jumping known to the offender so they learn their lesson and don't re-offend? I mean, I, I feel that all you can do is tut and eye roll to other people in the queue. You couldn't actually say... I mean, it's terrible behaviour, but you couldn't actually say something, could you? I'd love to be the sort of person who called them out on it. What, what you do is you don't say it to them, but you say it loudly to the person next to you, even mm. if, like I often do with my child, they don't understand you. I say, oh, look at that man on his own coming out of a child and baby seat. Is car parking space. Isn't he a naughty man? So you don't say it to them, but you say it to someone else. I said, well, this is brilliant, using your, your, your toddler as a narrative device. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Exposition. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do it all the time. So other, other people know how annoyed I am, but he doesn't have to like... He doesn't know that I'm being negative and, and complaining and angry. I mean, he probably tell by the tone of my voice, but he's probably oh, used to that. So that's so brilliant, Annabelle. So that's maybe what everyone should just do. You don't say it directly to a person, of course not, but you say it to the person next to you. Yeah, I think if you know, I, I, I've got, a, I've, I've not got sympathy for this guy because you know he was a chancer. He, he used it as an excuse to slip all his family in. But if somebody has a kid, I guess who's desperate for the loo, and there aren't any other kids in the line, there might be a way of extremely apologetically answering. Uh, sorry, asking the question, um, yeah, yeah. but not with an expectation that then that just entitles you to go in there. But uh, yeah, this this guy sounds terrible. Like I was thinking really what the other passengers should have done is turned on him and then kind of opened the cabin door and let him be sucked <laughs> out. That's slightly more extreme than my one. He deserves but, it. But I do think it's okay for the two-year-old to be allowed to go to the toilet because yes. he's probably potty training and like was about to wet himself and that would have been a nightmare. Yeah, but, but I obviously mean, no one's going to think... presentation, isn't it? You've got to be yeah, yeah. so apologetic and be ready for somebody to say, oh, I'm sorry, I have a urinary tract infection or whatever they might say. Yeah, yeah. But the rest of the family going in, obviously totally unacceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. I am on the well, side of the drifter there. I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So what? So what we're saying? You just you just say it loudly to someone else. Yeah. So and hope, get, and get a yourself a um, like a, a, a dog or a toddler as a prop. Yeah. Or a puppet. Uh, puppet. <laughs> make <laughs> passive aggressive <laughs> comments to to yeah. the puppet. I'm going to start carrying a puppet at all times just for yeah. this. Great. Okay, I'm very happy with that. Let's move on to Steve, 27 from Reading. I'd like a suggestion for how I should have handled a situation that arose recently. Now, before I get to a quandary, I should explain that this problem surrounds a friend of mine who has been, shall we say, difficult recently, making comments about herself, pulling out of planned events last minute, the typical, oh God, so-and-so is so annoying, shenanigans. On to the problem. I went to the pub to watch the football recently and was sat at the table with said friend and her boyfriend. She mentioned she might get a new phone. And after I've been talking about how wonderful I think my phone is, she wanted to have a look to see what's so good about it. Camera, widgets, gaps, gaps, apps and the like. Without thinking much of it, I passed her my phone, unlocked, so she can have a peruse and little look. On reflection, that was a silly thing to do. After a few minutes, I notice in the reflection of the window behind her that she's viewing my WhatsApp messages, scrolling through and peeking. It's obvious she's doing this because shortly after she arrived at the pub, she said, oh, does everyone hate me? They ignored, etc, etc. Now, I know she's in the wrong, but as a man that can't handle conflict, I didn't question it immediately. And when I did raise it half an hour later, having plucked up the courage, she made an excuse about seeing how various apps work. But what should I do? How should I have reacted? What do I do in future to prevent friend snoopering? Well, I mean, positioning yourself side by side when anybody ever looks at your phone is perhaps one thing you could do, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got nothing incriminating on my phone whatsoever. No, but if someone takes my phone, I am just so stressed out. I just think, what what are they going to find out? But there's, there's nothing there, but it's so stressful. Yes. Oh, I learned a good tip of someone once that when you're when someone's looking, you're showing someone a photo, and then they you know people start scrolling backwards and forwards, and you might not want to see the other ones. Like yes. make that photo a tiny bit bigger so they can't scroll back and forth as well. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it kind of freezes up the phone a bit. That's a good one. Yeah, but yeah. otherwise, like if someone offers us to look at your phone to see how it works, you're quite right. Sit next to them mm. and control their every move. Yeah, I'll yeah. show. I'll show you. I'll show you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Steve basically did the wrong thing by handing it over. Yeah, yeah. Never, never hand over your phone to anybody unsupervised. No, not Even ever. if there's nothing incriminating there, it just, it's just too anxiety-producing. Yes, I agree. All right. Send us, uh, if, you, if you need to know what the rule is in a social situation, you can send us your quandary. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. <laughs> that was our podcast thank you for listening i will be back home next week so we will be in the attic annabelle and i reunited face to face um i mean i have enjoyed doing these last couple of podcasts just in my underpants but uh, <laughs> you know I'll, I'll have to wear a dressing gown as well next week <laughs> i imagine um, thanks to the man in the echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident, which uh, wasn't on the podcast this week, the incident, because it's, it's logistically impossible when um, I'm away, away from home for various reasons. However, I did use that little bit of music, so Emily needs thanks as ever, I think. 
Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers. Patrick Gunning and Awana Babu provided technical support. Uh, our artwork was designed by Kim Rainey. And the photos were taken by Carla Gowlett. Do, uh, do email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com stroke adrift. Coming soon for Patreon supporters, Annabelle and I take to the streets of Snaresbrook. And um, oh, just, uh, a quick apology. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry that Rosalind couldn't make it. Uh, she had other plans. <laughs> Adrift. Adrift. Podication time. This comes from Lorna Williams, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. Hi. I'm relatively new to the podcast and a dog walker, so take you with me on my many adventures. Uh, I would like a podication to myself on or around the 17th of April, as I will be flying out to Greece on holiday with all of my husband's family. How do you feel about that, Annabelle? <laughs> I think it sounds lovely. Um, I missed that. The line went bad, but um, the listeners will will hear it, I'm sure. Um, I hate flying, and what makes it worse is that I will be trying to hide my terror from them and trying not to make a fool of myself. I once left my husband at Manchester Airport and went home. I was so scared. This can't happen again. Oh, Lorna, I'm so sorry. That must be awful. Um, I've been socially awkward all my life, and I'd rather spend my days with my dogs Lupin and Jess good names lovely uh, names uh, rather than have to interact with people i've not really got anything amusing to tell you um other than that i'm glad i've found you both well we're glad you found us that's that's great thank you for um for for subscribing to the podcast enjoy it until you get bored of it and uh, I, I hope that you've managed to conceal your terror i mean or, or show it off maybe I'm yeah show it off let yeah. it all out yeah Become high maintenance. <laughs> Make the holiday about you. Um, and this comes from Sean, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. Hello. Apologies, this is a bit late for my requested date, but any time this month would be good if you can squeeze it in. Uh, my podicate's birthday is on Tuesday, the 16th of April, same as Eugene. Um, but he is behind on listening, so it really doesn't matter if it's a week or two late. I am writing to podicate to my betrothed, Harry, for his birthday. Four and a half years ago, I was sat in a bar in central London with a friend after a long day of doing fun things, and we thought we'd finish it off with a drink. Luckily for me, Harry and his friends also had the same idea, and there he was stood at the bar directly in my eye line. One of my friends decided to make the move and strike up a conversation between us and them, and the rest is history. Aww. I remember learning about this in history. <laughs> um, fast forward four years, and we are in Iceland for New Year's with our friends. It's New Year's Day morning. I've barely woken up and had my first sip of tea, and there he is with something that looked a bit like a ring in a box and saying something about marrying him. That's so lovely. Uh, he is my home, my best friend, and now my husband-to-be. I've never really thought about marriage or felt that I needed to get married, but he makes me want to create a magical little world for ourselves in a way I can't particularly explain. He is the person who makes me tea every morning, gives me a tissue for my runny nose before I've asked for one, and just the other... That's not like me. <laughs> I'm like this. We've got a drawer full of hankies. Why can't you just bring your own hanky out with you? <laughs> <laughs> and just the other day, it lifted a heavy suitcase when we walked past a busker that I thought sounded lovely so that the wheels didn't ruin the sound. That's oh, so nice. too nice. <laughs> um, he also introduced me to this podcast. Oh, he's not that great, then. 
Um, and is both one of the most socially capable and socially awkward people I know, i.e. can go to a party where he doesn't really know anyone and chit-chat the night away, but cannot speak out loud on a busy train or attempt to get the waiter's attention for the bill. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, my social capabilities are the opposite way around, so it seems to work quite well. For all those reasons, I love him so very much, and I want to wish him a happy 34th birthday, and here's to the next chapter of our lives. Thank you. Um... Many thanks and all the best wishes, Jeff and Annabelle. Sean, that is so lovely. That was a, a beautifully written and uh, very moving. If I didn't I need to blow my nose, so I was slightly distracted by that. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure I would have been in tears uh, given, given past history. Um, well, Harry, happy birthday from Sean. And then Lorna, I hope it goes... Um, I hope it goes all right, the trip to Greece. I'm sorry that you suffer from that. I'm not going to patronise you by suggesting, you know, you do some mindfulness or things because I think part of having a phobia is it's just people are relentlessly, in a good, you know, they mean well, trying to tell you, oh, have you thought about doing this? Have you thought about doing this? And I think if you have a phobia, it's sort of consuming and you've thought about everything. But I just, you know, hope, hope you get through it and manage to have a really lovely holiday in Greece with all your husband's family. So there we go. Uh, Oh, and hi to Lupin and Jess. So Lorna Williams and to Harry from Sean, that's this week's podcast. If you'd like a podcast, email hello at adriftpodcast.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Oh, yeah. 